Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figus Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here. Welcome back, guys. My little my little minions. The Geekverse is on fire again this week. Holy moly, there are so many things to talk about. Lots to get to this week. Um, it's going to be more like reactionary because there's been like stuff that's landed, things that I've watched, so many things that um, have have gotten the brain just... just tingling with excitement. But before we get to that, let's talk about our sponsor, Dragon Meadery, who has been a spectacular sponsor for not only 5280 Geek, but the Colorado Festival of Horror. They have provided us the last couple of years with our own wine, and this year we will be working with them again closely to have uh, our third wine produced by them. No no spoilers yet, but uh, we will be announcing the the new uh Flavor? Bottle? Vintage? <laughs> we will have a new wine this year, and Dragon Meadery is the one, the brains, the, the talent behind the the product, if you will. So we will be announcing that uh, in the weeks to come. But for now, uh, if you're just looking for some fantastic mead or something a little out of the ordinary, go over to Dragon Meadery, and uh, the link is below check them out get some some tasty beverages cuz they they do not disappoint all right first off out of the gate no animosity but come on no i have no desire to see roadhouse at all with Jake Gyllenhaal. This is a question that was posed by one of the listeners, and I apologize. I do not mean to seem crass, but there's just no remaking this film. You don't put Baby in the Corner. Come on. Patrick Swayze cannot be replaced by Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm more inclined to see the Ryan Gosling Fall Guy movie that's coming out than a remake of what, I mean, come on. It's Roadhouse. You don't redo that. I mean, even like you 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 can't redo Point Break. There's just it was just a perfect storm. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, did he die in in the wave? Come on! But you're going to remake Roadhouse. I know Jake Gyllenhaal has gone to the 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 public, if you will. He just hopes people watch this, and he, you know, I'm I'm sure he does. This is this is his job. This is his paycheck. But at the same point, there are just some lines you just don't cross. If if someone comes to you and says, "Would you like to replace so and so?" and they're already a classic hit, no, I do not. I do not want to be put into that situation. <laughs> but. It's going to happen anyway. Of course, this will be streaming on Amazon, and that may be one of the saving graces. It's not going to be released theatrically across many, many theaters around the country. It's just going to be streaming on Amazon, which could be good or bad, which also was going to lead us into another question from uh, a listener. So, yeah, keep the questions coming, guys. Thanks. The, uh, the thing about this, I'm not sure... Um, 
if anyone really cares, because even Amazon is kind of at the end, not really like fully into it. They don't care if the story is good or bad. They just want people to tune in. So I don't know if it's so much what can we fill content with or whether good, bad or indifferent. What what what's out there? What can we swipe up? Because Amazon's gone like nuts with a lot of different editions, or maybe it's just my my search history that's kind of causing a bit of a mess. Because I'm getting an influx of so many different things that I never thought I would expect on Amazon. But leave leave the classics where they are, guys. Just 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 leave them. Come up with something new. Maybe maybe the sun. Of Roadhouse, or you know, Road Roadhouse Part Two, or I don't know. We go back to the town. Let's let's not rehash this. This could have been something different. Could have been something much much better. But eh. So it raises the question, and this is another question that came in from uh, a listener of movie versus series, and it's an interesting question as far as what do I believe is the better approach. As the rules and everything are changing for movies, we've seen significant drops in theater attendance, and we're well past the blip now that people are are out and about. They're not masked up. Some still are, and that's their level of comfort. And you know what? I, I appreciate that. However, there are these moments where I'm sitting down in a theater and, and I'm watching something, and I'm like, mm, no, or yes. And it's an interesting selling point. Do I believe that they're changing the way movies are done? Yes. And you're, it's funny to look at, like, budgets and the money that goes into the production of a series versus the production of a film. Film is supposedly better quality, but we've seen some amazing leaps forward in technology with the the shows and the series that have come out over the last couple of years, aside from, like, She-Hulk and some of the things we saw in... Uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch. And while the less said about Secret Invasion, the better. So it really brings up an interesting question. And the reason one of these is such an, this is such an interesting question is that recently there were, there was a, a com, uh, an article that came out about the new Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves. And they're, instead of doing a sequel for the film, they're talking about doing a, a streaming uh, series for it. And I'm kind of two minds of the, the, the issue, as you can tell. So let's, let's dissect the first Honor Among Thieves. $150 million, uh, to make and made 207 I think that that's still a win. You made money, maybe not as much as, you know, the executives and producers and the the studio would have liked. But it in my mind that's still a hit. You didn't lose money. You didn't show up, you know, and blow all this money, <coughs> Marvels, and, you know, have a less than stellar return, <coughs> Madam Webb. But you 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 understand what I'm saying? And if they do turn the Dungeons and Dragons into a series, a streaming series, I'm kind of cool with that. But here's the slippery slope that we have. And it's an easy trap to fall into because right away everyone needs 
to drag these things out, make it longer, give us a lot of fluff that we don't really care about, that storylines and, and character development that never happens or never goes anywhere. Yes, I'm using the voice on purpose. The whole point of the fact is I, I – if you're telling a story, then tell me a story. Don't give me the fluff. I want let's let's get into it. Some of the opportunities that I think Honor Among Thieves could have benefited from if it was streaming was definitely the exploration of Chris Pine's character. All right, we could have seen a little bit more with him or Keeley, the other the other characters that were around him that we didn't get so much on. We got a lot of stuff from Chris Pine's character because it's from his perspective. Actually, I would like to have known more on Hugh Grant's character. I did also enjoy seeing the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon characters running around in live action as, you know, everything erupted and fell apart. Going to a streaming service does open up a lot of possibilities, but the problem is there are a lot of lazy writers out there and and it, you run into a problem of is it is it fluff or is it, or is it not is is it necessary or is it filler and as we have seen it's an easy trap to fall into and I hate to keep going back to this, but Reacher has been on point as far as telling story, progression of characters, and just how they move along. Hell, I would have been happy with like another episode or two of Reacher. But looking back, it's absolutely perfect in how they crafted this. So, in some regards, yes, I do think a series is probably more paramount than a movie. One of the rumors that's been floating around since Superman Legacy is now filming and all of that is the thought and idea of bringing one of Superman's best uh, films or best stories to film. And, and I have to actually agree with this. And, and the story that I'm referring to is uh, Under a Crimson Sun. And it is probably uh, uh, Red Sun. Um is probably one of the best Superman stories of of all time. And I know that says a lot, but again, I'm not a big Superman fan, so please don't at me on this one. But if you haven't read it, please do. You're, you're missing out on probably even like one of the more compelling stories based on where we're currently at in uh, the world itself. The story is just amazing, and it's based on if Superman had landed in Russia versus the United States. And it's a very interesting, and we've seen it adapted on a cartoon level, but I would love to see this in a live action. And Matthew Vaughn, who um, is uh, the Kingsman director, has, has come out very vocally and has said, I would love to do Under a Red Sun film and have Henry Cavill play Superman. And this is perfect. This, I think, again, as a film, would be exquisite. I think this is this you, to put this into a series would suck. There, there's, there's just too many lulls. There's too much that doesn't move the story fast enough because we don't need to see the retelling from you know too long of a perspective. He gets indoctrinated into the the Russian culture and hammer sickle. You know, communism, go forth and conquer, and all of that stuff. We can kind of come to that conclusion on our own based on his actions and everything that follow as the story moves along. I think it would be great. Now, the funny thing is, James Gunn is kind of on board with this. Now, whether or not we actually see this will be <laughs> uh, a miracle. 
But James Gunn has said that they are um, considering doing more Elseworld stories parallel to what they're going to do for the regular DC Universe line that they're currently working on with Superman Legacy. And I guess we are going to see something from J.J. Uh, Abrams for uh, some, some, some stuff. Uh, I've, I've lost my note on that, but it's fine. I honestly think there are some huge possibilities. I think the mold is, is broken, it's gone, and they need to get back to being clever. They need to get back to something that, that compels the viewer uh, to get out there, to see the movies. The streaming services have been a hit or miss, and there's been some things that I would have liked to have seen. And like I said, Jupiter's Legacy, I still think, was cut short. And it was disappointing to see that series come to an end. Same with Cowboy Bebop. So where maybe Cowboy Bebop should have been a film, I don't know. But I still, I still think the character development and everything that they had was on point. It's utilizing that time. How do you creatively create while entertaining at the same time? And it's an excellent question. And I, I, I'm, I, I've written letters and notes and people, they just would listen to me. I know we would have hits. Yes, I have lots of ideas and a lot of spare time. As far as Paramount Plus moving forward with a series versus a sequel, it's still up in the air and nothing has been decided. And maybe with a series, a successful series, Paramount Plus may actually consider doing a sequel. But I think here's where it gets interesting. Because if you already have a successful series, what's the point of a film? Because I know everyone is like, well, now they can make a movie. Well, do they need to? Is it a bigger budget? Because we're still looking at the, the money side of it. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe something in a much grander kind of you know presentation if they did it to a series and the crescendo is the film. Kind of similar to Firefly. And though Firefly... Uh, poor Firefly. <laughs> I know the brown coats are just groaning wherever they may be. It's interesting to see. If... It, would Firefly have been more successful in a series of films versus the television series? I mean, Joss Whedon probably would say no. But I think, actually, Firefly would have been much more successful as a film series. Film, you know, a, a, a trilogy of some sort. As much as I loved the, the show, and it was great, and there was some fun stuff, it was rather short-lived. So imagine having all of that packed into a few fast-moving, quickly-developing movies and kind of like on Star Trek level and it gives you the opportunity to expand and build on a universe once you have everyone's attention. I think they missed the gun, <laughs> missed the boat on uh, that whole opportunity. So, like I said, make it worth our time. If you're going to make it a series, do it well. No lazy writing. No shortcuts. Don't, don't, just don't. <laughs> Uh, moving on, there has been lots of stuff that has landed. We had a ton of trailers come out. Uh, Discovery's final season, uh, which starts April 4th. The new trailer for that is out. And uh, I think Discovery's kind of outlasted its welcome. Not not, not to have any of the Trekkers upset with me, but I, I think I think it just these, you know, cosmic 
travesties. I mean, it, re- it reads like a bad Marvel Comics summer event where it's the end of the galaxy as we, the universe as we know it, and, and you know, Burnham is here to save the day. And, you know, I just, eh. I am excited to see how they end it. Um, I know recently they uh, were talking about the original Enterprise uh, with Scott Bakula and that crew and how that was just probably one of the worst endings in any of the Star Trek franchises. And I'm, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. So we have yet to see kind of the end of one of these series. I know everyone keeps going back and forth of whether or not we're going to see Picard come back or if there's going to be an offshoot from that with Seven of Nine. And as of the moment, there, no, that that is not going to happen. There has been rumors, again, of a movie to kind of tidy everything up, which I think would be okay. I don't know. How much longer can we keep with the Enterprise D crew? I mean, it's almost come to a time for us to find someone to 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 start over, to take take the Enterprise and boldly go somewhere else. I don't know if Picard is is outstayed its welcome. The, the season two kind of blew, um, but season three, you know, with a lot of fan service and some Easter eggs, and again, uh, the Enterprise does not fly like the Millennium Falcon. However, it did look cool, just not practical. If there's a Picard film to kind of tidy up everything else, do we kill Data off again? (laughs) Who dies? Who walks away? I mean, there has to be uh, collateral. There has to be consequences, right? And what do you do for a story at this point? We need to kind of get past it. We've seen where things can go with Discovery, but I don't think it landed the way everyone had hoped it would. And it just got in its own way. So I think short term, eh, we'll see. But in the meantime, April 4th, we'll see what Discovery just starts to kind of um, go along and do. Speaking of trailers... <laughs> I really don't know what to do with this one. I honestly think this could be fun, or this is just going to be a disaster from the go. Uh, I the the trailer is definitely caught my attention. I think it's a missed opportunity on the trailer, and I'll tell you what the film is in a second because the game itself is absolutely unhinged, fun to play interactive and there's so many cool kind of quirky things about the game what i enjoy about the game is like the mass media that goes behind it and your choice of weapons and and the different companies that are available out there to to purchase weapons from and i honestly think they should have done a trailer that kind of incorporated that side and aspect of the game or just you know the the different uh companies that are fighting out there. We get kind of a glimpse, the underlining story of what the characters and everything behind Borderlands is, but it, it's still kind of fun to see this. Now, I, I, I honestly, when I saw the movie poster, had to just scratch my head and just go, seriously, Jamie Lee Curtis, you're out of your head. But after seeing the trailer, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sold on it. And I think, I think the lineup and I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll pick on Kevin Hart here in a second, but he's in it. Kate Blanchett, which is spectacular. Uh, like I said, Kevin Hart, Blackjack as Claptrap, which is the single most annoying character in the Borderlands universe. Um, Edgar Ramirez and uh, Ariana Greenblatt. 
Uh, there are other characters. Gina Gerson are is in there. Jamie Lee Curtis. There, there. The the names just keep stacking up. Of course, I'm excited about uh, you know Tiny Tina, who we see in the trailer, and is absolutely just spot on to what I would expect from the game. Of course, it's just going to be you know uh, one huge blow up, rock him, sock him, kick him in the balls, just kind of action film, but that's the basis of the game. It is carnage, uh, it is it is gruesome, it is violent, and it is glorious. The weapons are fun, they're interactive, and, and the whole story itself just seems right out of what I would expect uh, a, a video game would be. Kate Blanchett's character seems to be the the the, the foundation, you know, the the rock for the group. Kevin Hart, I know, is trying to become an action hero. I know he's working hard at it, but <sighs> no. After no, after watching his Netflix movie with him trying to hijack a plane, no. I know he's the Rock's little buddy. He just kind of sits better as the the plucky comic relief or the sidekick and i know nobody wants to be a sidekick but if you do it well why not just do it jack black has embraced it i think he's been the leading man a couple of times and has decided you know when to choose his battles i know kevin hart like i said is pushing to be a leading man it's just it's just not in the cards buddy it really isn't maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong I doubt it but after watching the Borderlands trailer, which is uh, going to be on 5280geek.com, I will put the link to it. It is what I think looks to be a spectacular, entertaining, mindless film. You show up, you watch it, and just go. There's not a large plot device for the video game to begin with. It's fun, and I have hung out with the Borderlands crew at Dragon Con. There are a lot of cosplay uh, people and groups behind this this video game, behind this franchise. I would be happy to see another video game. Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which was a spectacular uh, DLC. Loved that. Played the crap out of it. But... Um, I would like to see, or maybe maybe it's coming. Maybe we'll see how the game goes, or how the how the movie goes. Maybe we'll get another game out of it. I don't I don't know, but the trailer itself is absolutely just. It is what I expected, and and we can we can only take so so much so much from it. Um, the screenplay by Eli Roth. So okay, getting getting a little bit more, and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I I I don't want to be hesitant on it. I don't want to be too much of a naysayer because we already know how I feel about video games turning into films, and the success rate has been a dismal uh at, to this point. However, we have seen some positive swings as we have spoken about in the past over the last few podcasts. So maybe this will be one that'll be added to the positives rather than the negatives. The other trailer to catch my eye this week, well, yeah, this week, um, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 2. I talked about the first part. Evidently, it's going to be a trilogy, and that was something I was very uncertain of, but the trailer for Part 2 has come out, and it looks impressive. I I haven't watched the first part yet, because I've been kind of like 
hesitant. There hasn't been a whole lot of chatter about it online, and my usual go-tos haven't gotten to it yet either. And now, of course, seeing the second part of the the story in the new trailer really has my my curiosity peaked. So at some point, I am going to have to get on on watching this, and it might be this weekend, depending upon scheduling and what other events I've got going on. But I'm really sold on the Crisis on Infinite Earths. When I read this story ages ago, it was groundbreaking. It was it was inspiring to get all these different characters, keeping them straight. Perez's artwork absolutely knocked out of the park. But uh, just to see as we progressed the loss of characters, the, 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 the people that did not make it. I mean, of course, Supergirl... Flash, the two most notable characters to, to to go out like champs in, and I'm curious to see how they approach that. Do they approach it? And that is that is the selling point for me on this story. So where we see, you know, maybe maybe DC's coming around. Maybe DC has finally got everything figured out so that they can kind of put Marvel on on the shelf and show show what they've got. Let's let's let DC shine for a little bit, shall we? Moving on to what I'm watching. It's an excellent question and even I get lost in the pages every once in a while. The big thing this weekend of course was uh The Walking Dead Love Survives. I mean, the ones who live and they finally went down a road that I know Kirkman regretted ever doing in the comics and how they did it in this is kind of disappointing it 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 almost took away from the 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 value of what it was doing so in the comic books if you're unaware and i'm sorry spoilers if you haven't seen it yet but i'm sure if you're a walking dead fan you're aware of what i'm about to say and that's when rick in the comic chops off his left hand Rick got bit, and it was a, a a an experiment. Experiment. Let's let's lop off the bit and see see if the virus spreads. So in the comic books, Rick gets his hand lopped off, and at their point, you know, only only one hand. But because of the group that Rick is currently with, he gets this fancy dancy little iron glove with that's made like a fist, and it's got a you know an Assassin Creed knife that comes shooting out underneath the wrist completely negating the sacrifice and the problems in all of that. Yes, of course, he only has one hand, but then he's got this new fancy bionic apocalyptic hand now that that is dual purpose. And and the I don't know. It, it seemed pointless to me. And I and it was just more for like shock value cuz it really didn't add like a whole lot to the story or the situation cuz it really accomplished Nothing. I mean, nothing. Just, it was, eh. And, and I, I just, I mean, it would have been one thing if, 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 if some fruit of the labor would come out. And it is a narrative from Rick's point of view as far as what's been going on while he's been away, ever since he's been blown off of the bridge and everything that's gone on. Well, not everything, but it does give us a very comprehensive update to what Rick's been doing the five years that he's been in uh, an, another part of the world. And then, of course, you know, at the very end of the episode, we get Michonne. We finally see the the long-awaited reuniting of the two characters that, you know, through time, space, the apocalypse, love 
conquers all. They get back together. And I do – actually, there are some fun – well, I wouldn't say fun, but some definitely some inspiring moments in the first episode. And most of them are like the relationship between Rick and Michonne. Rick is, is kind of reimagining the relationship between him and her and what I would say a normal world. And it's just kind of fun to see Rick hold on to these 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 moments, the self-driving, I'm going to find you, I will get to you, and I, I we will be together once again. And to see that kind of fade as Rick loses hope and that he just basically abandons any inkling that he will ever find Michonne or get back to Michonne as the story progresses over the course of five years is is interesting and Rick tries and that's what he tells Michonne in the letters that he will never give to her I tried Michonne tried and evidently succeeded where Rick you know ends up becoming a helicopter pilot with one hand yeah I don't know how to figure that one out either but here's where I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to see next because there's so much more going on to this story and I don't know if they're going to be able to get through all of it but is it too late? Do we care? I mean, we kind of abandoned any hope on these characters a long time ago, let's be honest. I mean, even the Daryl Dixon uh, uh, series was okay. I know they're coming back with season two and it's titled The Book of Carol, but I, I think we've, we've, we've out stayed our welcome in the zombie apocalypse and it's time to let these characters rest it's it's time to close the door let's give them either the happy ending or the not happy ending that they've they've quested so long for i do like how the comic book series finally wrapped up and ended and i wouldn't be surprised if we're kind of headed that way especially with the setup that we see in um Love Survives. I mean, the, the ones who live. <laughs> so, the first episode is is out there. It's it's we'll see. I think it's only eight episodes for this little mini series that we're about to embark on. And fingers crossed, it's good. But I don't think we'll we'll ever get back to the way Walking Dead was in the beginning. And, and maybe that's good. Maybe we we shouldn't go back that far. And we need to just we just need to call it done. Halo, which <laughs> at long last it has begun, and I wasn't what I expected, and that's what I like. This is this is what I'm I'm in for. Halo finally goes down the Reach rabbit hole. We we are in the siege of Reach, and it is glorious. There are so many awesome takeaways and scenes and just what I what I was hoping for what I wanted to see there are still some some holes some things that I wanted that maybe we'll see it in the upcoming episodes because by no means are we off of reach yet but to see that everything is finally happening and just going the way that the video game has has already set the path for this week's episode was is is kind of an eye-opener because we know Master Chief isn't on, or supposedly isn't on reach when the Covenant comes in and takes over and basically frags the whole planet. But there are other Spartans. Now, of course, one Spartan is gone and off off world, which I honestly thought was going to end up being the one-armed sniper in the reach game. But no. So 
do we do we get those Spartans from the game? I would love to see that. And the other team that I thought was going to be, they're already dead. So what what happens? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm really loving it. That's what I'm loving about this. They have taken the essence of the game and they have actually brought it closer to the 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 people the players the the viewers and and I'm I I applaud that I actually really enjoy this I know I I have my qualms again about Master Chief being with out of the suit and to 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 be fair how they've approached it and how they're working it right now it it, it fits it's going with the story it's not something that's forced and it's just because you know the actor doesn't want to be in the suit and he wants his face being seen and you know it's it's not like you know a Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd I want my face seen because you know don't cover up the pretty the story as it sets with the characters makes sense and has been absolutely on point I don't know where it's going, and I'm excited to see what this week's episode is going to be. But if you're not watching it, I mean, I almost think you could get away with not even watching the first season. But there are some fun and some interesting fights that happen in the first season. I mean, if you kind of skip over some of the boring dialogue, it's just is like, ugh, this again. Um, it's good. I mean, I was starting to get fearful that that's where we were going again with this because we were starting to see some repeats of the same bad habits from season one. But so far now, we have kind of ratcheted up. We'll see what happens in the next episode. But so action-packed, good, and in in the, the, the vein of, of Halo, in my opinion. Then there's the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch has uh, returned the final season, and... I'm it, it it's it started like any other other normal Star Wars animated where it just kind of kicks off you have this like dramatic moment and then everything just kind of mellows out for a little bit while they let the the viewer catch their breath and then they start moving the story along. I, there's no surprises so far uh in the first three episodes that have landed and it just kind of is like a reacquainting with everybody as I think they start working on uh, the story. There is very uh, a very interesting thing that I'm I'm excited about, and if this hopefully moves into the live action, because it it really is a pull from um, the Last Jedi and or excuse me, heir to the uh, heir, heir to the Empire, uh, the the. Timothy Zahn series. Jeez almighty. My brain is just... I need more coffee, obviously. The Timothy Zahn series, Heir to the Empire. There is a, a stash, a stronghold in that story that the Emperor has. And this, I seriously, what they're kind of like alluding to and kind of keeping in the shadows is this stronghold. It almost it looks exactly what in my mind's eye I would think that the Emperor would have for his, his stash, where he's got all of these unwanted technologies and things that, is, that shouldn't be being developed and um, things that would be deemed blasphemy. And it is absolutely uh, exciting to see this story kind of develop. And I'm hoping, like I said, this kind of translates into the live-action series and they take from this and build a little bit more because it would be fun to see the the final results of how this plays out especially with the emperor and how i think this plan is going to go 
So and and maybe they're going to kind of change how Era of the Empire works out. I don't I don't know, especially when we're dealing with the films and all of that, especially with you know uh, the Last Skywalker and 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 that all nonsense. But if they keep to this. Uh, I'm 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 in. I mean, I'm in regardless, just because I love the Bad Batch. The show has been fun, and it's given it a very unique perspective on um, what's happened in between, uh, before New Hope and after after the Clone Wars. It's it's been it's been fun. Now the next two, I'm gonna kind of rope together because I'm 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 wow. And my, my, my take on what I've seen so far on The Last Airbender, I'll wrap up with. So first off, Shogun, which is on, I'm watching it on Hulu. I know it's available on FX, but I just went straight for Hulu, and there's two episodes available. I don't know if that's the case on the FX side. But Shogun is beautiful. The, the set designs, everything that they have put into the first two episodes is breathtaking and amazing. The costuming, the, the the attention to detail, the overall just feel of the first two episodes is amazing. Just, I cannot wait for this, this series to continue, this mini-series. And it doesn't look like Hulu has pulled any punches or skipped any uh, details. I mean, and... It's been so long since I, the book that this is based on and since I saw the original Shogun, um, and I didn't want to. And here's why. I, I, I wanted to see what, what they came up with. And I know budgets be what they may. This is a bigger a bigger budget and a bigger cast. And there are there are some amazing actors and characters that you see just kind of wandering around. And the makeup and everything that they have done is is so good that you you're you're like wow that I, I I'm excited to see what character we we have I'm excited to see where the story goes and I don't want to refresh I really don't I don't want to remember because I'm 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 in for this story I'm in for what Hulu slash FX has put together for the 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 viewer because what I've seen, they, they've crafted this story. I mean, the intricacies already and the layers and the levels to what's going on just really has a, a Game of Thrones time 10, times 10 feel to it. And just to kind of see where it goes and just to know what history is and just, I mean, all of this is is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. So if you were hesitant about watching Shogun, and there are subtitles, so if you're averted to not reading subtitles and all of that, then sorry, but it, it's part of the, the story, then mm, get comfortable. But the, the, the story and everything so far, do not miss out on this. This thing is going to be epic. This is going to be the one that all the nerds are going to be talking about because this is glorious. Now, the other side of this, and my take right now, is um, the last Airbender, and I don't know. I've I've seen the last Airbender so many times that I can't um, really get a beat on this. There, I, because between M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, the cartoon, and then you know the extension of Last Airbender when they bring in the new Airbender and all of that, 
it's it's a lot to take in. Now, the characters, easily recognizable. They haven't really deviated a lot. There has been some deviation in the story. And uh, Grandfather, who is played by uh, the gentleman, I can't think of his name, but as soon as I say he is the X-Wing pilot from Mandalorian, everybody's going to know who he is. And he does an amazing job of playing Grandfather, like offering people tea and just how he kind of communicates and, and moves about. And it is spot on to what I would say from the cartoon. There are some liberties, and we have seen this in the past. There are some things you just cannot adapt, especially when you're dealing with like the likes of Cowboy Bebop, and they're just things that that doesn't translate. And eh, that's fine. Now I know everyone is like heavily invested in this, and I'm hoping that we see more. I haven't finished watching it yet, just because there's been so much to catch up on. But the the fact is, I don't have an opinion on this yet to be honest with you. I'm kind of taking it at, at face value. And I know a lot of the geek verses lashed out, and again, they're, they're, they're very quick to pull the trigger, and this isn't like this, and this, is, this, this isn't how this should be, and blah, 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 blah. Instead of just kind of letting it be what it is or give it a chance to breathe, let's, let's get it out there. Let's see. Don't be so quick to, you know, become the keyboard terrorist you, you yearn to be. Let let people watch it first. Don't don't be the first one to spoil it for somebody that doesn't know any better. And because there there are some qualities here that I, I want to see how it evolves. Let's see what it does. Let's let's let it breathe. And then at the end, when we have some time to reflect, then we can sit back and go, okay. But so far, I, I even the special effects, what they are. I mean, they got the 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 fire clan down. Pat, holy crap. The special effects on the fire stuff alone is is impressive. I mean, the water tricks, mm, there is some breaking down of the CGI and all of that. And uh, we do see some impressive uh, earth movement in the first few episodes. But overall, the fire, the fire clan is is on point and I'm kind of I'm kind of digging the destruction. So we'll see what happens and how this moves along for me cuz I'm I'm not done yet. Let me finish and then I'll have I'll have some more thoughts on it. The other part that kind of came into my my peripheral uh is is with the Fantastic 4. And I don't know how how I feel about um how I feel about it because it makes sense. And um, Moss Bracken, who is the guy that's playing the thing, was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and he kind of alluded to the Fantastic Four's film and the fact that thing is going to be mostly CGI uh, motion capture or action capture, acting captures. He had a, he had a unique kind of twist to it, and even though. Uh, Eben Mossbrock is is kind of new to me. I need to watch the Bear or Bear, which is his his show for about a restaurant, and everyone's like saying this is a great show and it's funny, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give it watch because I actually did watch the interview with him and Jimmy Kimmel, and he comes across as kind of a cool cat, and I want to see who and how he's going to play the the thing. Now, in the past. 
Here's okay. There have been some magnificent leaps forward in motion capture and CGI and what we have seen. In fact, the Hulk and Thanos are so seamless as far as the CGI and having them integrated into uh, the Marvel U and the movies and all of that that it's it's not off-putting. But then we have you know. She-Hulk, where the Hulk doesn't look as good, or She-Hulk look as good, or any of the other previous shows that I mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast. So for them to do this, and let's not even bring up the other Fantastic Four film, the last one, where Thing was completely CGI'd and it looked wretched. I know the suit is uncomfortable, but there is something to be said for practical effects. And I know Chickless was in a suit. And it, and I know <laughs> uh, Evan kind of alluded to like it. The the suit seems rather cosplay-y, and there's better technology these days. But yeah, the technology is there. It's just whether you choose to use it or not. And I'm hoping that they do. I want to see the Fantastic Four that we deserve. I want to see, and I think this is, and I said this last week. I this is the springboard back into the MCU. It's not going to be. Deadpool. I think this is the, the the vehicle to carry us in back into the MCU and set the the field for what's coming. And I know there's been questions and hesitations of whether or not the Fantastic Four is happening in the '60s or if it's current time. And it's it's an excellent question. Are we going to see the uh, Incredibles in uh, the Fantastic Four? And I'm kind of betting we are. The Incredibles is is a great cartoon, and Disney delivered what I thought the Fantastic Four should have been. Little liberties and different you know twists on characters, but all in all, that should have been the Fantastic Four. So, will we get the Fantastic Four we deserve? Again, Pedro Pascal is not Reed Richards. I'm sorry, great actor, extremely talented, just not Reed Richards. Marvel has done a great job of casting characters that fit and 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 look the part and act the part. Chris Evans nailed it as Captain America. And let's face it, if Robert Downey Jr. was not Iron Man and if it was somebody else, would it have been the the the, the vehicle that it, it turned into? Very good questions, and 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 we can only look at the past to kind of base our answers. I don't think it's it's a detriment, but I don't think you're helping yourselves any by it. Now, if we do get a a, a spectacular thing, a CGI thing, I'm kind of okay. Let's 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 see what you got. And they're saying that it's even more impressive than what we've seen from like the Hulk and Thanos and everything else. And I believe them. We've seen some amazing leap forwards in just the Mandalorian special effects, with its which has been kind of a mixture of both practical and CGI. And I think if they take that into consideration and see what works and what looks good, then um, all right. Now we have. A completed script, according to what we saw on the interview, and Evan is his like I've read it, so it's it's an exciting time, kind of. I don't I know I don't know I don't know where to sit with Marvel these days. I'm almost more excited about what Guns got going on over in Disney or with a DC as we see more people jump ship 
over to DC with Gunn, especially when you see like Batista, like you know the story uh, with Drax is done, Drax is 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 completed, and Batista's still going to be doing superhero films, but his portrayal of Drax his has come to its foregone conclusion, and as it should, I think I don't know I'm going to miss Drax. Actually, I'm going to miss Guardians. I liked I liked Guardians. Guardians was my favorite. But what do you think? Should Thing be a practical suit or should he be CGI? Or better yet, should he be a mixture of both? In comic book news, it's a resurgence of the 80s and they try to capitalize on your childhood. No, I'm just kidding. The series that you should be reading, and uh, a lot have kind of come out in the last few months, uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Thundercats has been the latest entrance into the fray. Um, which I finally read the Thundercats number one. Not bad. Um, but the Transformers that is currently on, uh, on I think, uh, issue five has been absolutely amazing. It has been one of the best reads. And I never thought I would say that about a Transformers comic ever. But this has been one of the best adaptations and expansions of the characters, the story with enough twists that uh, you, you it, it's a it's a page turner. You, I'm I'm burning through issue reads quicker than I ever thought I would. I mean, Optimus Prime ripped off his own arm to beat up a Decepticon. They're they're doing things that the reader can appreciate that the character I could see honestly doing. They just have never done it how how dare you do that to him it is by far one of the most amazing reads that that i can i can think of right now on the shelf so to the comic fans and everybody out there pick it up i i can tell you you're not going to be disappointed and that kind of wraps up this week. There's lots on the horizon. I can't wait to share with you what I got coming up uh, with a couple of out-of-state journeys and a couple of local events in addition to um, some some projects that we're working on here at 5280, uh, Colorado Festival of Horror. So we, we are a, a busy office in the bullpen here in, in the Figus Studios. So that and, and on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. Let your friends know about us. Share us with your friends for the dirty little secret that we are. Um, oh, no. Should I? Yes. The traitors. I'll close on this. It is. <laughs> Alan Cummings is a genius and a fashionista. And I wish I could pull off some of the outfits that man has sported during the traitors. Now, that said... The, the show itself, has, I, I don't do reality TV. I don't. It's just stupid. But the traders have got me hooked. And, and, and it's been a ride worth going on. The, the, the characters are over the top. The acting is over the top. The, the, even the, the challenges are over the top. But it's just so entertaining. I can't look away. And I finally caught up. And to no surprise, there are there have been people that eliminated, and I was like, "Yep, that that makes total sense." I'm enjoying this way better than some of the other options that are out there. I haven't got in on the no, deal or no deal, and I probably won't. I just want to know who the banker is. To be honest with you, that's that's really all I care about on on that show. Uh, and Mass Singer, I I abandoned that show ages ago because I just can't take 
uh, the judges anymore. Just no, I no, don't, I don't care. Um, now all of you should probably retire. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. <laughs> Tell your friends about us, share us, like us. Uh, we appreciate here at 5280 Geek you listening to us and supporting uh, your local geek first. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.